So this priest and rabbi are walking past like an elementary school, and the priest looks over and says to the rabbi, oh, I'd love to fuck those little kids. And the rabbi says, out of what? <laughs> He's Jewish. <laughs> well, so, so you got to offend both. You know, Hi, this is Joe. Welcome to Carnival Personnel. <laughs> Happy Yom Kippur. This is Jackie Carnival Personnel. See, uh, if I if I followed up the joke by saying like Happy Yom Kippur, then then uh, I guess I'm atoned, or do I not eat for a while? How does this work? I, I would stick with not eating. That's a good move. You could use it. <laughs> As could I, oh. on account of the man boobs. <laughs> moobs. Yeah, the moobs. <laughs> Those are pretty nice moobs. Oh, yeah. Uh, so thank you for tuning in, whether you did it on uh, purpose or not. I don't know. Don't care. But thank you anyways. And uh, thank you in advance for checking like and for uh, subscribing and for writing a nice review that takes two seconds on iTunes. Yeah, seriously. I mean, if you can tweet for Puerto Rican relief, you yeah, have snowflakes. You can you can uh, write a good review or a bad review. It doesn't really matter. We just want the attention. Negative attention is attention. Yeah, seriously. Um, you, you can talk about our moobs. <laughs> oh, yeah. And speaking of boobs, I went to the Renaissance Fair this weekend. You did. Last and how, weekend. And, and how was it? Uh, Delicious. It, it was 80 degrees out. And, um, yeah, so if you've never been to a Renaissance Fair, you must be cool. <laughs> no, I, I, am, I am truly bummed that we did not get to go. Yeah, you know, it was a good time, although it was an expensively good time. Um, yeah, you know. But what, honestly, if you, I, the drive-in's 100 bucks if you go. You know, it's a whole family. If you go Six Flags, you're not getting in or out of Six Flags or Disney. Under a hundred bucks a person, but there's no Joker roller coaster at the Renaissance. That there. is true. Yes, but but getting back to what it does, it has jousting. Yes, it has these fun little comedy kind of innuendo ye old yeah shows. <laughs> right there's the bordello, and then uh, and then you got basically boob fest. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, there was okay. We'll get it out of the way. I'm a heterosexual male who likes boobs. And I'm not staring at boobs because I'm respectful. But. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's the one time when you can't really avoid the cleavage. I'm not going to say the boobs. There's lots well, of cleavage. Well, and, see, and, see that, and, and, and this is how beat up, like, you know, Joe and I have become with, like, you know, and the world has. And, and I'm some, just talking about the men, by and, the way. And, and, <laughs> In some cases, with the over-political correctness, it's like, you were not supposed to look at boobs, though there's women who go out of their way, especially at these Ren Faire things or Comic-Cons, to wear things that say, hey, look at my boobs. I think it's okay to look. But it's not you okay just can't to randomly go up and go. Yeah, you can't go. Aruga. <laughs> no motorboating. <laughs> right. No motorboating. None of this. No touching. Uh, no tasting. No telling. You know. Uh, no telling what. Uh, <laughs> never mind. But they did. did yeah, you did not get there for the day that they had a cleavage contest. Correct. Right. The, I'm not a make, sanctioned cleavage contest. It was a sanctioned cleavage contest. The I think the weekend prior. But no. We did not uh, get there for in time for that, but my son dressed up as my younger son dressed up as Link from the Legend of Zelda, with even with the pointy ears and everything. And he fit right in. He went there, and the first thing, first stop, was an, uh, a Zelda themed kind of, not sanctioned by Nintendo, by the way. Uh, Ocarina stand, and an Ocarina is like a flute. Hey, hey, hey Ocarina! Exactly. <laughs> 
It's like this sort of like a football-shaped kind of flute thing that's it was popularized in the Zelda game Ocarina of Time, and um, you know you can actually play it and make you know sounds. And so it's like it's it's like a, a take a recorder. And make it much more complicated <laughs> and nerdier. And there you have an ocarina. Um, so he went to the right to the ocarina booth, bought his ocarina. Um, you know, he got a, actually a Zelda songbook that came with, like, you know, like one of those mimeograph. Right, but it was like, you know, it's not like a nice, glossy, you know, professionally made songbook. It was like mimeographed, you know, stapled in the middle. The staples weren't even that good quality. <laughs> yield staples. Yeah, yield staples. Right, it was forged out of uh, bark. Flint. Yeah, <laughs> flint. Um, but yeah, it was a good time, you know, but like, seriously, like 60 bucks for a pulled pork sandwich, uh, a couple of Things of fries and four water water bottles. Uh, uh, we 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 may or may not get into this too much, but you don't. I don't want to hear any shit about how much you pay for water. You heard about Gillette Stadium last week? No. Okay, so uh, those in the greater New England area know that last week during the Patriots game, it hit ninety degrees. End of September hits ninety degrees. There isn't any wind at all. Like pregame temperatures, like winds, like you know, one point two miles. I wasn't that far from Foxborough where that same day, and so you know, it was brutal. They ran out of water. Now they count the soda cups. So at the end of the day, like the poor people who work behind the counters, well, I don't know their financial status. They have to count up how many soda cups there are at the end of the day and account for them as if they're currency. So they ran out of water. So when people are coming there at the end of the third quarter to get water, they're charging them full retail soda price for water directly out of the tap. Wow. Right. And and then, you know, Gillette apologized, said, they had enough water, you know, much like Puerto Rico. We'll get to it where they didn't They didn't have enough. The, the demand was so great, they couldn't get the concession stands filled in time. And the people, the concession stands, they don't have a choice. They're like, I can't give you this cup. They didn't have courtesy like Dixie cups. Like, this is water, you know. Yeah, I know. And it's 90 degrees and people were paying, you know, 450 whatever, like a, for a small glass of water out of the tap. At Gillette. And, of course, they issued an apology. No refunds. No, right. But issued the apology. So, yeah. yeah, it was brutal last week. Well, I'm glad that everybody had a good time, whether but, they were at the uh, Ren Fair or whether they were at the But, uh, but you recommend Stadium. the Ren Fair, like, as a family thing? It, yeah. Yeah, you know, you can buy all sorts of cool stuff. You know, actually, I almost picked something up for you. There was a, a vendor that sold, like, leather drink coasters but they had like logos branded into them and like a lot of them were comic book themes so like oh. one of them was like you know the superman batman themed one and wonder woman and all that stuff and i was like oh but jack will never use this and no. i'm too cheap <laughs> did, did you ever see did you go to those those one of those comedy shows that they have yeah they had like a well we didn't sit no we didn't sit in on the pg-13 comedy shows where they say if your kids get the jokes it's not our fault <laughs> but uh we did see uh, uh a guy who looked like um, the uh, the bald, inconceivable guy from uh, Princess Bride. Inconceivable. Yeah, inconceivable. But he's a he was a clown, and he wasn't no, not a scary clown, like an actual like an acrobatic kind of clown. That's it. Like no makeup. He was just like he's just a regular bald white guy. Um, but he he had a, he was a uh, one of those uh, ladder acts. Like he would step on uh, like a tall ladder and sort of walk the ladder and then balance on one hand at the top of the ladder. Like this guy was a fucking pro. 
So, you know, but of course, nobody is too proud to beg at these rent fairs when it comes to, you know, get, getting tips at the end. So, you know, they, they, were, they, they, they literally dance and sing for their supper nice. at these rent fairs. But, they, you know, they also get paid, too, I'm sure. I'm sure they get paid a living wage. Uh, yes, I'm quite, good good benefits and and whole and balance. Probably better than what I have in my yeah. fucking job. I mean, no. yeah, shut up, Joe. All right, we'll let it that. Out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like my is, job and I'm happy to have it. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. So my let's overlords. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me, my lords. <laughs> right. Exactly. I for one praise our new ant overlords. <laughs> Oh, uh, great Simpson reference. Um, all right. So last week, you know, Joe and I were saying that it was the first show in three weeks, hurricane free. It was the first show because we had, you know, we had, you know, Houston get hit, then Florida got hit, not a city in Florida, Florida got hit. Yeah. And then uh, last week was the first hurricane free week. Uh, how about this week? No. No, not so much. No, there's another uh, U.S. territory that's been slammed by a hurricane. I've heard nothing about this. Bring, shed some light on this. Pretend I'm, um, I'm, let's say, the president of the United States and know nothing about territories. Tell, tell me. I don't have bit. that kind of time. Okay. <laughs> so uh, there was a hurricane uh, that hit the uh, hit the territory of Puerto Rico and devastated it. Uh, knocked out power. T- to almost all of its citizens, um, drinking water is at an all at a. There's not even a minimum; it's below minimum. Right. There, there's people are drinking out of creeks. Yeah, people are drinking out of creeks. Uh, aid is, uh, let's say, slow to uh, occur. Um, you know, there. This week, Trump did finally, after days of not doing it, lifted the the, the with the Jones right. act. So a hundred year old, and, and even people like, and we we'll get into this again, McCain coming out saying, "Why is this on the books?" Yeah, it's an upcharge on imports or exports to Puerto Rico for all all U.S. ports. It, right. it, basically, the whole thing it's it's like an import tax, and like they want American ships, American dock workers, and and all, you know all that stuff. Right. But it is. It was like a hundred years old, like in the making, and it, it's outdated. And this is one of those things where, uh, and we talked about it before when Sandy hit when Sandy was coming to the Northeast. There's all these laws on the books and you know they were there for a reason at the time 200 years ago where like the the massachusetts um the uh national guard cannot go into new hampshire and help out with relief or to connecticut or connecticut can't go into new york there's all these laws about that you know left over from like the revolutionary war and some of them have gone away, and there's just paperwork that has to be processed. The Obama administration was days ahead of it because that was one of the things that happened with Katrina. You had other states on the border ready to roll in mili- their 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 military trucks into you know help out with with relief with soldiers with all these stuff. You can't go across certain state lines. With Sandy, they learned from the mistakes of Katrina and did away with that earlier. They're like, okay. We got five days. This storm's coming. We know it's going to hit. How bad it's going to hit, we're not 100% sure. Let's process the paperwork now so the second New York needs to go to New Jersey, people from New Jersey, you know, Philadelphia need to come into New Wherever help needs to be, we want to be able to mobilize and get people and aid there instantly. And it's like – it's one of the things I will never forget – about two weeks before Sandy hit, uh, Chris Christie was stumping for Mitt Romney, and he gave and, and John Stewart did a great thing. He had um, he he showed a speech of the clip where 
and I, I think I get it pretty verbatim here. Uh, Chris Christie says, oh, Obama's in a dark room. You know, his leadership is in a dark room, fumbling around looking for the light switch. Then Sandy happens, and Chris Christie was in tears on TV saying, he told me to call any time, and I called at 2 in the morning. He got on the phone, not an assistant, not an aide. He got on the phone. I needed this. He did this. And when Obama got there instantly and toward the damage, and Chris Christie hugged him and was in tears and thanked him. I remember John Stewart's like, look who found the light switch. <laughs> and then there was a conspiracy. Well, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. We're getting right off the rails. No, no, no. But I want to say the okay. conspiracy theories were, oh, Chris Christie is praising Obama so he looks better and Mitt Romney looks bad so that Chris Christie can run for president in four years. That honestly was how he was attacked from the right for saying thank you. So now this Jones thing, it took days and days and days to be lifted. And it was. It's over. (laughs) But, you know, they don't have the resources to get the stuff from the docks to the people. There's no man, there's no power. We we are, by the time this podcast posts, as of right now, we're recording it, most of the island still does not have power. The generators at the hospitals are running out of gas. And truly, there's there's people drinking water out of a creek who who are going to get sick. Why don't sick they just drink out of the ocean? There's a lot of water in that ocean. Could could you give me the actual quote? This is an island surrounded by water, big water, ocean water. Yeah, that was it. That, you're welcome. In <laughs> and, case you haven't heard it already, and that is a quote from the so-called leader of the free world. Right, and then so cut to. Early Saturday morning, he gets online and starts slamming the mayor of uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, Carmen Yulín Cruz. And because and four or five days earlier, the administration comes out, and, and I was worried that they were going to pull a muscle patting themselves on the back saying, we're doing a great job. This is a, this is a was it a feel-good story or a happy story? It, I think it was a feel-good story. And so the mayor, you know, Cruz, comes out and she says, people are dying. We don't have water. We don't have aid. She holds up like an encyclopedia, Britannica, um, for those of you who don't know what came before the okay, iPhone. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and she holds up literally this gigantic stack of paper. And she's like, FEMA is asking us to fill out request forms. Why don't they just go online? And and and, and <laughs> they were told to go online. I mean, Joe's, Joe's being funny, but they were told to go. And here's the mayor saying. I'm not being funny. I'm being real. If you don't have power, you can. And then she said, like, you know, she quoted the Marine thing about adapting and overcoming. It's like, if you can't get online, you find another way. This is America. Sidebar, Joe. Fun, fun, fun fact. What? Uh, Puerto Rico is part of the United States or America. Get out of the city. <laughs> and, 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 and tragically, we're finding out how few people in the continental U.S. know that, that Puerto Rico is part of the United States. Have we learned nothing from West Side Story? We, nothing. The only thing I learned is when you are a jet. You're a jet all the way from, from your, your first, first single breath to your last dying, dying day. day. Oh, wait, that's not part of the song. 
<laughs> no, I saw Andrew Dice Clay off Broadway. Oh, Fantastic. Oh, I'm so jealous. And he, uh, well, he wasn't in the play. I just saw him <laughs> off Broadway. He was asking for money, but this was about four years ago. Anyways, but so so here's the mayor saying, it's not a feel-good story. People are dying. Here is all the requests. FEMA is asking us to fill these out. FEMA is asking people, oh, go online and make requests. I, I, I will tell you the request. We need water. We need this. We need people. So Help. Three, four days later, and it truly shook me to my core, she's on with Rachel Maddow, and, and she is pleading. The, she's actually, she's, we're proud people. We'll figure this out. If you won't help us, we, we are going to overcome this with or without you. But I'm begging anybody in the world. Here's a mayor of a U.S. city. You know, Puerto Rico has like 3.5 million people. And, and there's just a mayor, the largest city, San Juan, saying, I am begging anybody in the world listening, help us. We need help. We are dying. Flat out, we are dying. She made no bones about it. We have no power. We have no water. People are dying. We don't have medicine. We don't have essentials to get through the next few days. We need help. Yep. And uh, Trump, uh, you know, in classic Trump fashion, said, uh, you know, maybe you uh, didn't wouldn't get into this mess if you had just had better leadership uh, and uh, better infrastructure and right. had your shit together before a massive hurricane of global the power mass. grid's outdated yeah right the power grid's outdated uh you know uh, you should have been uh, you should have been a state earlier <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, but, like, but he did i mean and 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 where did those tweets come from uh, i believe uh mar-a-lago yeah he is on a golf course picking a fight you know and again you know picking a fight with a woman go figure uh, saying it got very nasty she's very nasty with the nasty woman again yeah nasty woman all right so so we've been we've been saying jj watt is great and what jj watt did with puerto rico and i don't know this i mean who are the jj watts stepping up for puerto rico i i, I heard that um, kurt schilling kurt, <laughs> funny enough for, is it funny enough no, or, or i well, mean do you uh, have to give credit here i'm just hoping that he can drive his van across the water because <laughs> he's, he's from, in that van yeah down by the river, which is also a water. Um, but I, I know that Pitbull was chartering flights by himself, paying for flights to get cancer people. Yeah, Jennifer Lopez. I think she donated like a million bucks. I mean, money's great and money is needed. But what they really do need is government intervention and boots on the ground. People getting the water from the docks yes. to the people. People, right. you know, the Army Corps of Engineers, they're working on the power grid. Royal Caribbean Cruises is picking up people from Puerto Rico and shipping them back. Like, they're rescuing people that are stranded on the island and bringing them back to the mainland. Uh, I'm not sure if these are just tourists that they're picking up or if they're actual, you know, if they're all just, like, you know, mainland U.S. citizens or whatnot. But, you know, Royal Caribbean Cruises is doing more to help than FEMA is right now. And, 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 the, and the thing is, you thought, look, the response in Texas was pretty good. It, it, it really was. And not, again, because Blotus didn't even get down there for a week. He, he had a really bad PR experience going down the first time, so he had to go back a few days later and throw water through car windows and hand out hats <laughs> shut up stop. it's awful but he did okay you know and he couldn't stop bragging about how great of a job that he did mm. and in florida the same thing i mean again there was there was enough people mobilized for houston you know like kurt schilling who just drove from from texas over to florida to help 
this is a U.S. city. This is the same as if it was Miami. It's the same if it was Houston. Yes, it is surrounded by water, but the people could get there. Um, so what can I do to help? You know, the same thing that you can do with Houston, Texas. There's all the Red Cross. But honestly, with this, it isn't about money. It, it, it's nothing that we can do. Right. It's Re- really, this is where the government... Th- there will be relief funds for people to rebuild and stuff like that. But right now... Right. First it, response. It's not about that. It's about... There's water coming in. How the hell do you get there? These hospitals are running out of generator gas. How do you get gas in the generators while you're working on the power grid? Yeah. Um, and, and this Mayor Cruz, she just won election for the next, like, 40 years, I think. I hope so. You well, know? Well, you know. I mean, she was great. Right. I mean, you know. Unless, of course, you know, her opposition slams her poor leadership during this tough time. You know, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Trump endorses that fucking guy. Anyway, enough about Trump. I'm, not, no. I'm blowing the Trump whistle. <laughs> Uh, so, so let's move on to, well, how do we move on to the next topic? Uh, lightly. All right. Take a knee, Joe. Just relax. Just take, oh, wait, no, don't take a knee. I took two knees. <laughs> hey, now. Hello. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, last week was the NFL's response to, uh, Blotus. So a week ago, what was it, about 10 days ago? He's stumping in Alabama, and Trump calls the people who take a knee sons of bitches, which here's the, here's the thing that everybody around sports is talking about. That Friday, the Sunday before that Friday statement, there was maybe about 15 to 20 people around the league who took a knee. It was pretty much over. It, it wasn't a front-page story. It definitely wasn't a front-page news story. You know, people were still talking about Kaepernick not being able to get a job, but nobody was really talking about the players taking a knee. It pretty much blown over. And then it got blown up, and then you had, I think, three teams that didn't even come out of the locker room <clears throat> at all. Then you even had people like the Patriots, who you had either locking arms in protest, but you had 20 players taking a knee. Who yep. boot mercilessly. The main thing is that people are losing sight, or the right, or and or Trump, are doing a good job of twisting the issue. Where originally this was was about you know a, p- a protest against police brutality by one person, um, and um, you know a, one black person, I might right. add. Um, and it was about police brutality and uh, injustice towards black Americans. And now all of a sudden it's about you're disrespecting veterans and the flag and what? And there's so many uh, veterans. Well, here, here's the thing. So as Joe knows, my best friend growing up's father's next door neighbor's former roommate, s- former roommate's second cousin was in the Coast Guard. And so I think it's disrespectful to that person. Not sure if it's a male or female, but I think my opinion matters more because I know somebody who knows somebody who once met somebody who served. It's all this, like, you know, complete bullshit. And here's the thing. Like, so many vets have come out and said, um, yeah, I served for your right to protest. I served. So many of these organizations are coming out saying, yeah, you know, these people died for your right to exercise peaceful Civil disobedience. Yeah, this is all uh, one big smokescreen kind of racist waste of time. Honest to God. And so, and 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 you know, and I, I just point out to Joe before this, Michael Bennett um, for for the Seattle Seahawks last after last week's game. They won. There's a picture that went around. He's standing in the middle of the locker room doing a dance. He has one leg up. He has his T-shirt on, his, his, uh, his, his football pants on underneath. And the whole team's around him. And you see Pete Carroll. You know, you see the coaching staff and all that. 
applauding whatever he's doing. Somebody photoshops in him holding a burning flag, which gets circulated thousands upon thousands of times on Facebook on these like alt-right sites, and, and it made its rounds where – Sadly, a good amount of people thought, yes, this black player is burning a flag in the locker room. Don't believe everything you read, see, hear, smell. And Michael think. Michael Bennett was just a month before the season. He was a guy who was profiled. He was at a casino in Las Vegas, gunfire, people scatter in all direction. Uh, the police see a large black man running f- away from the gunshots and figure, oh, let's tackle him, put a gun to his head, throw him in a police car, and then, you know, apologize like an hour later when they realized who he was. That's, by the way, that's totally fucking fake. They never apologized. <laughs> they did. They gave a half-ass apology at best. And, and what pisses me off on a personal level, aside from all this, uh, I'm now coaching my kids hockey. And, you know, when you would round the kids up, you would have them come over, it's like, all right, guys, take a knee. Can't say that anymore. I don't know what the parents in the stands are going to think if they hear me saying to a bunch of seven-year-olds, taking it. We can't say the word, man, this trumps that. You I'm can't just, say I'm trump gonna, card. Can I say, uh, do a half midget? Can you? Is that a thing? <laughs> I, I think that was less. That will cause less of a stir. You know, I'm doing the half um, midget. But uh, but you know. And by the way, midget I know is a bad word. It, it Don't is a say bad that word. word, stupid ass. And and like I told you, like you know, I had a friend who I just worked with who was a little person who you know, I mean, he got fired, and it was really it was really bad. I mean, all he did was tell the women in the elevator that their hair smelled nice. Anyway, two, three, four. <laughs> so let's move on to something a little happier. Um, I'm going to skip right to... Let's skip right. Skip right on over to death. Nothing. Well, you know what? I, I, I think in this case, death is... Uh, <laughs> death becomes him. Right, right. We envy the dead sometimes uh, um, lately. So, of course, I'm talking about a man, a great man, uh, a not-so-great man, uh, who um, recently died peacefully at the age of 91, surrounded by his seven wives... Uh, no, I don't know how many. I think he just said the one wife. I'm talking, of course, about the legendary Hugh Hefner of Playboy. Legendary is right. So this man, I don't know where to begin talking about Hugh Hefner. I mean, I've come to bury Caesar, not to praise. <laughs> First of all, let's just talk about like the 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 immediacy of his death. So he dies, and he had this planned out for years and years and years. And I don't know how long he's had this planned out, but um, the mausoleum in which Marilyn Monroe is entombed he bought the uh space next to her so he isn't going to be interred in that mausoleum next to marilyn monroe who was of course the first cover girl for playboy magazine wow i i did i did not know that well this is weird wild stuff did you know that ed i did not know that. that's fantastic oh that impression thank you <laughs> oh <laughs> well can it be both all right but so that happened um that, that that's you know fitting i guess um Playboy's, you know, the the latest thing that the Playboy magazine has been in the news about was, I think, either earlier this year or later, la- late last year, they decided, management decided to, uh, I think it's being run by one of his sons, they decided to legitimize Playboy. By the, you know, by God, we've been uh, on the fringe of, enter- of the adult entertainment industry for decades. Uh, we've amassed millions of followers and maybe billions of dollars in revenue. Oh, without a doubt, billions. 
Forget all that. Now it's time to take it to the next level. And in order to do so, we're going to remove nudity from our magazines. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. How'd that work out for them? Uh, they went back to nudity. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Did it, an issue later, two issues later, did uh, we just go? But let's, you want to talk about maybe briefly, like, the different things about Playboy, uh, like what, like the Playboy Mansion, the Playboy Well, well it's funny, Playboy Mansion, that's a good place to start. He sold the Playboy Mansion a few years ago. Right. And it's like one of those, you know, all those infomercial blocks, the reverse mortgages. He sold the mansion with the stipulation he gets to live it until he dies. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty good thing if you can work that out. That's how I want to go. I'm going to sell you my house. You give me the money. I'm going to kick around for a few more years. Yeah. You know, it's not, not a bad deal, but like, uh, oh, geez, I don't know when they stopped having parties over there, but like, you know, just the the... Do you remember any of the stories? Uh, actually, there's one story about the Playboy Mansion that I just recently re- heard retold by Jim Carrey. Let's hear it. So Jim Carrey, and if you listen to the Gilbert Gottfried Amazing Colossal Podcast, Bob's Muda tells the same story. So Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman in Man, in the Mo- Man on the Moon, and he would collaborate with Bob Zemuda, who is Andy Kaufman's writer. And uh, they had a character named Tony Clifton that Andy Kaufman would play. He would put on this prosthetic face, this big fat suit. Tony Clifton was a really bad lounge singer. Right, very vulgar, very gregarious. Awful, awful comic right. slash lounge singer. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's the kind of uh, entertainment you would get out of Tony Clifton. So long story short, they decided to pull a prank on Hugh Hefner. Uh, they wanted Jim Carrey to come to the Playboy Mansion while were, like this movie was uh, being developed or uh, I think it was like close to its promotion and release. So they wanted Jim Carrey to grace the mansion with his presence and uh, the studio called back because, you know, at that time, Jim Carrey was not Jim Carrey. He walked around the earth as Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he he, he did one of those like method right, those Daniel Day-Lewis kind of things. Did not come out of character. Right, so... Um, the studio or his representative said, no, well, Jim, unfortunately, is not available, but Andy Kaufman would like to come in. and, uh, and But um, he'd like to come as Tony Clifton. And um, if that's okay, then, you know, well, we can set it up. So they agree. Tony Clifton arrives. You know, all the Playboy playmates are posing with him, uh, taking pictures with him by the pool. And then all of a sudden, Andy Kaufman shows up. Uh, it's Bob, Bob Samuda in the suit. Uh, Bob Zamuda is then swarmed by security, you know, <laughs> basically, and 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 Jim carries Andy Kaufman's like, I don't know who these pranksters are. I mean, they, you know, they got past your security, they got past my, you know, I, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, he, Bob Zamuda got his ass kicked by security. They were kicked out of the mansion. But um, yeah, when Jim Carrey arrived, as Hugh Hefner is palling around with Tony Clifton, he looks at Hugh Hefner, and Hugh Hefner's face went ashen. Like, oh my God, who the hell have I been hanging around with for two and a half hours? That's that's unbelievable. Yeah. That is great. So I'm not doing the story justice. No, it's great. I, I will tell you, I know for a fact, having friends who had to deal with this, uh, when you got invited to a party, if you were a dude who want, got invited to a party and wanted to bring a significant other, had to submit a photo. Yeah, wow. Like like there was a, right. you know. And a vetting process. There was. And the and the people who I know who you know who were invited, supermodels, you know what I mean, like line up like you know dorks at a uh, at a midnight showing of the new Star Wars, <laughs> you know, in order to have this guy spit on them, you know what I mean, like probably literally, and uh, and it, but it was just so funny. It's like 
uh, got a call from his press agent. It's like, can you take a photo and like you know, at the, this is going back a few years and fax it over. You wow. had to uh, pass. You know. So I mean, about Hugh Hefner himself, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, was he a civil rights advocate? Yes. Yes. Was he an extreme exploiter of women? Maybe <laughs> a little, little bit. You little, think? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, there's obviously that that story about uh, Gloria Steinem in, in '63. Yeah, she she, she went undercover. Becomes, uh... She went undercover as a Playboy bunny at one of the Playboy clubs to just sort of sort of show. What they work in conditions. Whatever happened to her? I don't know. But, <laughs> Where is she now? <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, I think it's a little from column A, a little from column B, because you'll hear countless stories about how people of color, entertainers of color, uh, specifically like comedians like Dick Gregory from the '60s, uh, black comedian, got his foot in the door on the mainstream door because they were allowed to play at the Playboy clubs, uh, even in clubs in the South, which right. were not allowing. Really, Colored, Colored Colored clubs in the late fifties and sixties weren't really progressive. That's interesting. And then, guess what? But so he was a civil rights advocate, and he was—he did break down the color barrier in a lot of respects on that end. At the same time, did he exploit women? Now I'll maybe you know kind of paraphrase what Jacques likes to quote: "They bought their tickets." <laughs> They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. These, I mean, the models. Uh, were, were any of these models abducted off the street and made to pose? Uh, that's for the judges to decide. <laughs> but I don't think so. No. But, but a lot of them, no, a lot, and a lot of them have come out since his death and sort of loved Hugh Hefner because of what they did for their career. Okay, so 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 you take a. Uh, I mean, how many of these, and again, what, what, what's that term? Social warrior? Social justice warrior? Social justice warrior. Let's say you got a female social justice warrior walking around now 10, 15, 20 years ago saying how exploitive this is and how awful this is. They're a little late, by the way. But, it's but, only 10, 15 years ago. Uh, let, let's say 30 years ago. Yes. But at 40 years ago, let's go back. Let's say in 1965, well, you know, got the revolution, say the, the sexual 70s. revolution. The 70s. At the same time, that they look up and idolize Marilyn Monroe, who would not have been Marilyn Monroe without Playboy, probably. I mean, her fame was that took it to another stratosphere. Like, right. like you look at all the other starlets at the time, and she was a rising starlet. But if if it wasn't for the Playboy pictorials, it's it's one of those things. It's would she have would Marilyn Monroe have been Marilyn Monroe without Playboy? Would Playboy have been Marilyn Monroe without Marilyn Monroe? So you can't say, Chicken oh, day, yeah. look look at how great that she was and brave and bold and risk-taking. And at the same time, say the guy who allowed that to happen, who made that opportunity happen, who took risks himself. I mean, at the same time, I mean, we live in an age where we can't imagine boobs on a – I mean, they, they now have that on like, you know, almost – we're pretty close on network TV. They're big on side boobs, but it's like – Well, Game of Thrones, right? Right. Yeah. But this is a guy who – we don't have that unless he breaks down those doors. Yeah. So, I mean, he had, uh, he had done a lot for the adult entertainment industry. Obviously, yes, geared towards men. Um, only because women aren't gross. If women were gross, they'd have a Hugh Hefner for Playgirl. Yeah, it's come on. Wasn't wasn't that run by Playboy, by the way? Right, that's what yeah, I mean. Right, but but exactly. he did have that. <laughs> He's basically hedging his bets. <laughs> no, no. Before we move on, my favorite thing, other than the naked ladies, with Playboy, the greatest writer in the last hundred years, Kurt Vonnegut. He is not Kurt Vonnegut without oh, Playboy. Yeah, right. I mean. 
And I could not recommend more going to your library, going to Amazon, and getting there, – there, there's compilations of, of Kurt Vonnegut's writing on Playboy. Sidebar, Amazon owns libraries now. Go on. So the fun thing about – the funny thing about Kurt Vonnegut is that's the first place that he got published it, for a long period of time. Probably his first 10-plus years as a published writer was writing these stories. He ends up developing this character in most of his books called Kilgore Trout. Kilgore Trout is this autobiographical character who is the most prolific writer on the planet, but he can only get published in porn magazines. And, and, and these are all stories, you know, Kurt, Kilgore Trout was a big character in the, the 60s, 70s, 80s of, of, of Vonnegut. He could only get published in porn magazines having nothing to do. His stories were all beyond weird sci-fi shit. Uh, but the magazines kept buying it to give it thickness, to give the magazine thickness. So people were buying the magazine thinking, oh, look at this, like 300 pages. This is going to be great. And there's like 10 pages of tits and, you know, a right. bunch of carbonic. It's kind of like Oprah magazine. You know, she's on, who's on the cover of Oprah this month? Oh, this month. <laughs> I think it's Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> so she, so, so my takeaway is like Playboy was my introduction into like the world of boobies because the buddy who lived next door to me's dad collected them all. Okay. I also want to touch upon real quick my first exposure to Playboy. Really, it wasn't the magazines, it was through Scrambled Porn, the Playboy channel. I, uh, you know, I got my kind of exposure as a young man to the adult entertainment world through Scrambled Playboy Channel, and then eventually I think that's a boob, right? <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, if the stat, if the shot was static enough, where if they weren't yeah. moving around too much, you could kind of like just sort of like zone in on something. Then yes, you would you would catch a glimpse. But uh, and in all seriousness, the artsiness of it, because I remember, I mean, there are this is, I mean. I'm going back like 30 years. You remember certain pictorials that were really well shot, that were like themed and stuff like that. I remember on the Playboy channel, the first time I saw it, you know, they had this black model who like submerged herself in a in like a big, you know, old fashioned um, bathtub of milk, and, and just like oh, the yeah. just position of that. And, and that's the thing. Like Playboy spent real money shooting. Really, I mean, I know it sounds so cliche, but it was really classy, classy, artistic. You know, it, it was groundbreaking stuff. You yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I just really remember all that stuff. Uh, favorite Playboy model? I can't say favorite, but I'll say memorable. Donna Edmondson. Nice. 1986 Playmate of the Year. I, I, something about her uh, awoken something in this young man. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. Uh, I remember uh, Anna Nicole Smith. Yes, we all remember. Yeah, but no, Smith. but that was like when that came out, oh, that was yeah. like. Really? Is that that's that's is that possible? Real? Is that real? That, no, turned out it wasn't. Not, not even close. <laughs> you know, uh, but real nice. All right. But so, then the, we also, you know, think of everybody's career briefly. Uh, the main juggernauts of Playboy Playmates: you had Pamela Anderson, Jenny McCarthy, um, Polly Shore. No, wait, that was at the Playboy <laughs> Mansion. That, that launched this Playboy Mansion. You know, though, you know, in in some of the fun stuff that they used to do, I, the the things that I really remember are the the women of like the different college football um, conferences, they would always do that. And and I think that's the first time I've ever thought, I want to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> like I re really remember like seven, eight, great, like, you know, the girls in the Southwell Conference. And let's not forget the stunt celebrity casting. Like you'd have Drew Barrymore or um, 
you know, uh, I think like like Debbie Gibson recently did a, right, a pictorial, right. but like you'd have like Cindy Crawford and like all these names. And here's 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 an interesting point. In your lifetime, you're you're just forty now. Has he looked ninety for like your entire life? No, but I mean, he did look about seventy-five for my entire life. I mean, he's he's literally, as far as I'm concerned, for like at least the last thirty years. If you told me it, thirty years ago, if you told me he was ninety, I would have believed you. Right, but then you see, like, you know, on the news, if you see like news reports of Hugh Hefner's death, they'll post like pictures from him in the '60s, like the Playboy After Dark version. Right, right, the rat packing. Lo- yeah, like the dark-haired, suave, literal Playboy. Of the of the swinging sixties, um, he did not look old in that respect. So you know what? If if we want to go out and buy some of these old Playboy, you know, for for research purposes, we're going to have to uh, come up with some cold hard cash. And the only way to do that is to listen to our new defunct sponsor this week. Ride into action! Live the excitement as Mask Mobile Armored Strike Command fights to neutralize venom and its forces of evil. Nothing is what it seems, as illusion becomes the ultimate weapon in the battle against crime. Mask, join the adventure. Mask Force, weekdays at 3.30 on Channel 9. Joe, do not spin all that cold, hard, defunct sponsor cash in one place. Too late. Spread that wealth around. Get a couple of Playboys with that kind of loot coming in. Um, so, moving on, this is going to be a, a, not a sports-heavy thing, but a couple big transcendent of, like, you know, the scores of the game type thing. And this past week, um, the worst-kept secret in college sports is the big scandal where the FBI has arrested 10 people, including prominent assistant coaches at basketball factories, and I think the title Spalding? is Spalding. <laughs> I think the title of president of like international marketing for Adidas, and it comes down to get ready for this: paying high school players to go to sp- certain colleges, like a hundred thousand dollars. Like, oh, Adidas sponsors Louisville, so. Adidas would funnel money through Louisville to give to this blue chip, you know, uh, McDonald's All-American, like, you know, basketball player to go there. Um, what's really interesting is uh, Patino, who coaches Louisville. Rick Patino. Rick Patino, who has skated by on so many scandals. And a couple of years ago, it was uh, unbeknownst to him, his assistant coach was getting prostitutes for the players coming and doing recruiting trips, and he completely threw the guy under the bus. And it had been going on for like a long time. It's like, oh, really? Really? And, and honestly, if you're going to do that, cut a purchase order. <laughs> exactly. Go through the proper channels. Um, and then, so like I said, there was 10 arrests by the FBI. This is the real deal. My, and my two questions is, why is the FBI doing anything except working on the, you know, Mueller investigation? Mueller. <laughs> Mueller, Mueller, anyone, Mueller. But seriously, all resources should be on that. And now Nike has uh, come out and said, yeah, we've been subpoenaed for records. And it, look, it's one of those things where the NCAA should be paying players anyways, whether they should be paying high schools to recruit them. But at the same time, I mean, there's these high school, like, um, 
non high school but traveling basketball teams ASU I think is the is the name of the organization and you'll see these 14 15 year old kids come in get off a bus with completely matching like Adidas suits and sneakers and travel bags and all this stuff it's like that's a shitload of money. These these kids are semi pro at that level. They're they're single A, almost double A, like you know, in in the sports world. But you think about it, where you know the the UC the US Trojans play at the LA Coliseum, and they will have eighty eighty five thousand people packed there on a Saturday night. The San oh sorry the Los Angeles Chargers who play at the Home Depot Center that seats I think it seats thirty thousand. You know they they were they were trying not to show it on TV last week the crowds but you had about fifteen to twenty thousand people so you can pay Philip Rivers fifteen million dollars a year to be on a sub five hundred football team but there's no money for the players on the UCLA Trojans that are playing in front of eighty five thousand people with about the same amount of TV ratings. It's a profit deal. It is, but not the 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 schools make. Hundreds of millions of dollars. The coaches, you know, an NCAA football coach or basketball coach is making, you know, five to ten million dollars. The players, oh, we're giving them a twenty thousand dollars scholarship to go here. It's like really, you know, some of them get full rides. So, well, some of them get full rides. Let's say it's a fifty thousand dollars college. Look, there's look there. Are many sides that are at fault here? Many sides. <laughs> many sides, but there are many great people on both sides. Many great fine people, people, fine people on, on, on both sides. Yeah. Uh, let's get into a little NASCAR talk. <sighs> Turn left and go fast, baby. So a week ago, last Friday is when Blotus blew up the thing with like taking a knee and the sons of bitches and all this stuff, and unclear that you can't just fire people who are under contract without paying them. So if you want to go ahead and fire an NFL like player who's making $8 million a year, go ahead. You now don't have an inside linebacker, and you have to still pay him $8 million. Um, the other thing is uh, slavery's not there, so you can't just tell people what to do. First Amendment, take all that aside. Joe and I, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, have talked about this a number of times. Patriot fans face... Patriot fans who are liberal snowflakes like ourselves, it's a bitter pill to swallow how much money it turns out that the craft have given to Blotus for his campaign. It kills us that, you know, Tom was a wishy-washy supporter early on, like really, really early on with the hat of the locker. But the big thing is when they went to the White House, yeah, but just recently they gave Trump a Super Bowl ring. And that and that's like, gosh, I love this team. But I hate that guy, and it kills me. It kills me that the head coach wrote a letter that 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 Blotus read when he was uh, campaigning in New Hampshire. It kills me that the coach, who we love, the quarterback that I worship, and the owner that I have utmost respect for in sports, all support him. Well, this week, NASCAR came out a few days after the NFL took a knee, and Almost everybody took a knee in the NFL. It was it was glorious. I wish even more teams didn't come out of the locker room. But and because they were protesting him, not anything else. Anyways, two, three days later, NASCAR comes out and NASCAR has a blanket statement. NASCAR works a little different. You have to pay to race. There's no barrier to entry 
accept money. So if you have a, a, an owner who's willing to buy you a car and pay the entry fee, you or I could go tomorrow. I mean, there really isn't a feeder system. There isn't a double A, triple A, you have to work your way up. If you're good enough to race and not, you know, a wreck and you have a sponsor, you can race. So NASCAR can say to anybody, you're not racing this week. You know, they, they have that luxury. So they came out and said, any crew chief? Because uh, a crew chief is almost as important as the drivers. If you don't know anything about NASCAR, the crew chief is almost as important as a driver. But they're like any driver, any crew chief, any owner not standing during the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, will be will be banned from racing. And which they're I don't know if you would say they're Wayne Gretzky, but honestly, Dale Earnhardt Jr. has to be, you know, he's a crown prince. I mean, his dad is Mount Rushmore of NASCAR racers. Jr.'s pretty much up there. And Jr. came right out, no bones about it. You know, he had a great um, John F. Kennedy quote basically saying, you know, if you don't support quiet, you know, peaceful protests like, you know, violent revolts is inevitable. So now everybody in NASCAR has to go through we're going through the Patriots. We love the Patriots. We hate that they support that guy. What did Pat Oswalt call this? Oh, uh, thank you. Pat Oswalt called it NASCAR fans Kobayashi Maru. Um, and I, I nobody needs me to explain the Kobayashi Maru. I do. But I will. Uh, it is the epitome of a no-win situation. In Star Trek, to become a Starfleet captain, you have to pass a test called the Kobayashi Maru. It is a no-win situation. And truly, it's not how can you get out and how can you win the situation when facing certain death. How do you keep composure? How do you keep your crew doing what they need to do, knowing that they're moments away from annihilation? And that is, and the test itself was called the Kobayashi Maru because you're in a simulator flying a ship called the Kobayashi Maru. Um, we all have our Kobayashi Marus in life, but Pat Oswalt said it much more eloquent than I would. Simply, this is NASCAR's fan Kobayashi Maru, and I cannot believe this, but. I empathize with those fans who have to make this dilemma in reverse. It's like, well, we love that a-hole, but, you know, here's our hero, Dale Earnhardt, coming right out and saying, the First Amendment is everything. So so that was a big sports thing. Now, now, now back to what we've all been waiting for. Right. This is a, it's a new segment I'm introducing onto the Carnival Personnel Podcast. I'm introducing, and it's going to be kind of, not really implemented this week because the Patriots play technically two games this week. They're playing, uh, they played Sunday and they're playing on Thursday. But since we record this episode on a Saturday, typically before it airs on or posts on Monday, uh, and the Pats usually play on the Sunday in between. Jacques is going to predict Sunday's game after you've already seen it. So I'm calling it Jacques' lock of last week. Ka-ching! My lock of last week would be the Patriots, who are 2-1, and one, and having some serious troubles. They Their defense, after three games, is... Uh, ranked 32nd in most of the major categories. Uh, the biggest category is points scored. The second biggest category is probably yards allowed. And the gap between 32nd and 31st place is greater chasm than 31st place and 21st place. Wow. They are truly historically bad. 
And in the offseason, everyone was talking about 19-0. The Pats go out and they get a great cornerback you know, from Buffalo. They kept their cornerback, Butler. They were supposed to be the shutdown corners. Maybe them in Seattle, the shutdown corners. You're not going to score a point. We have Brady for the whole season. We went out and got him some new toys, uh, Cooks, you know, from, uh, from, Sa- um, from the Saints. And we got the Big running back from Buffalo Gillisley, too. So we had a great new running game. We have a great new wide receiver to stretch a field. Edelman goes down, but we're still going to be 19-0. Maybe lose one regular season game, but Super Bowl lock, it's happening. Just give him the trophy now. Not only is the defense historically bad, Tom Brady has been hit sacked or hit 19 times in these three games. His offensive line is a shit show. And... This is he's been hit 19 more times in the first three games this year than the first three games of last year because he didn't get hit for the first four games because he was sitting on his couch watching like Joe and I. You think he was married to Ray Rice? You really think he was married to Ray Rice? Well played. No, too soon. Little... <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your lock of last but, week? But my lock of last week is the Patriots over Cam Newton. I had originally said forty-five to ten, but we all know now that it was more thirty-eight twenty-four. And this coming Thursday, they have a game against the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah. Uh, How much does that corn cost? A Buccaneer. <laughs> we apologize. At <laughs> I don't apologize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But, but the, the second lock of the week is, I'm going to say, because they're on the road Thursday night, tight turnaround, 32-24 pass. And that is the lock of this week or uh, next week. <laughs> oh, all right. Enough okay. on, enough of this n- nerd sports talk. Let's yeah, enough. Let's 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 get out of the nerdville and get right into video games. Before we get to the random video review of the week, I would like to hear a little bit more about what else is going on in video world this week, Joseph. Oh, okay. So what J- Jacques is clumsily alluding to is that in video games this week. Those of you who are interested in retro video games are... Who is it? Seriously, who is it? Not no friend of mine, I'll tell you that. On Friday, September 29th, at 12 midnight, Nintendo released the Super Nintendo Classic. It's a miniature plug-and-play video game unit that emulates the Super Nintendo system and has, I think, 24 built-in games, including a never-before-released, wait for it, Star Fox 2. Whoa. Right. It was something that, it was a game that was in development by Nintendo back in like 96, right before the Nintendo 64 was going to be released. And they were working on a sequel to their popular 3D fighter, you know, Star Fighter game, Star Fox, called Star Fox 2. You know, real original Nintendo. But uh, they never, they stopped development right before. The, uh, they, they finished the product because they were going to put all hands on deck for the new Nintendo 64 system. Um, so they, uh, they never released it, but they held on to all of the, the data, the ROM, and uh, they finished it. And they uh, plugged it into this new Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo Classic unit that's available at uh, your, your finest of retailers. You have your Amazon. You have, uh, you have your Targets. And what uh, was the price point? $80, which was the original Nintendo Mini 
uh, that came out last year. You know, if you it, that was like the eclipse. Like if you blinked, you missed it. You... Wait, and, and that was the thing. That was kind of a, a scam. Well, I don't know if it was a right scam. Door, but they knew this was coming out. Right. Well, th that's the thing. So. Nintendo, when they released the NES Classic Edition, they underproduced, as Nintendo is wont to do. They usually underproduce and try, try to, like, you know, they don't make a lot of money on hardware, typically. So they thought, we're not going to pump out, you know, a gajillion of these NES Classics and have them sit in the warehouse because we don't know how well it's going to sell. Turns out it sold like gangbusters. So they, under, they, under, they underproduced the NES Classic. So Super Nintendo Classic is supposed to, I think they've tripled the production of this system. So, like, Target got... 30 of them at a time and they're going to keep producing them over the course of the holiday season and into next year and they're actually bringing back the nintendo classic edition next year so that's something to look forward to in case you're jonesing for some super mario brothers 3 on the original nintendo nes mini uh, but for the super nintendo classic that's been released now there's all the hot titles uh legend of zelda a link to the past the super mario world the super metroid f-zero was a fun racing game uh, all the classics. Jacques looking at me with the same glossy-eyed stare that I give him when he talks about the USFL, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because I'm I know what it's I know what it's about, and you know what it's about out there. And it comes with two controllers. That's another thing that is an improvement. Nice. So now you can play two-player couch co-op games. It doesn't have online access, uh, like just like the other Nintendo Mini. But if you can get your hands on one, what the hey? It's eighty bucks. Well, if it comes with twenty four games, each box. Each Honestly, game, each game is like three bucks. Three bucks, right? Yeah, right. And if you wanted to go online on eBay and buy the actual original Super Nintendo, and you know those games, eighty bucks will probably get you a system and maybe a game and a controller. Uh, plus shipping, you know what I mean? So that's not bad. No, it's a great deal. And so you know, if you can get your meat hooks on these things, go for it. But don't flip them on Craigslist for 200 bucks, you scumbag piece of shit. Be nice. Leave Freddy out of this. <laughs> now, <laughs> with that said, okay. that brings us to this week's Random, random. Video. <laughs> And you know what? I'm going to do this. A special random video game review. There's a on that lower shelf. There are Super Nintendo games. So in honor of the Super NES Classic Here? Edition, yes, those great ones. Any one of those, I don't have a lot of them, and a lot of them are kind of shit. So hopefully he pulls out one that isn't shit. Uh, I'm gonna try to guess which one it is, and I really don't. I'm not gonna be able to tell because it's kind of far away. He pulled out like the fourth one from the left, and I have an ABC order. So I'm gonna guess Family Feud. Did he pull out Family Feud? No. No. Oh. It's Mario Paint. This is a very classic game. It's not included on the NES Classic Edition because this requires the use of a peripheral called the Super Nintendo Mouse. There was a mouse peripheral that was uh, sold in conjunction with this game for the Super Nintendo back in the day. And it, this is a, uh, it's like a paint program. You, could, um, you can draw on uh, your screen, not on your screen, literally, but it came with a mouse pad, and um, those who have used it in the past can remember the fun that they had drawing all sorts of naughty bits <laughs> on your TV. Um, I remember uh, with a friend of mine, we would, uh, he, he was a pretty good uh, artist, and, I, and I, wasn't, I was pretty, I was okay drawing, um, you know, like Simpsons characters and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. And um, we would uh, draw... Uh, these are our renditions of these characters uh, using Mario Paint, and uh, we would record them with VHS tapes. So that's the only way you can sort of keep because you can't save any of your um, creations or drawings on this. There's no save uh, ability, unfortunately. But um, you know, you would just tape your 
uh, you, you wouldn't grab your smartphone back then, right? And, uh, just take a screenshot, take a screenshot of it. No, no, no yeah, no. But uh, another feature of this game was you could also create music using like um, they had like a graphical interface. It looked like a, a music staff, but you would put like these Mario esque characters that represented sound effects, and you would put them along the staff. And if you knew anything about sheet music, you could create music that way uh, with uh, the this chip tune generator. And, uh, and there was also a game where you could play. Um, there was this fly swatting game where these flies would, you know. I've seen that. Okay, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, I've so, seen clips of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had that built in, and and you can also make little animations too. Now, did you play this game? Absolutely. This actual physical one I've actually put in and played here, and I've you know. Uh, and you have the mouse. Yeah, I, I found uh, a mouse, and I, I, I think I got them separately. To be honest, I think I found like the mouse and mouse pad, like at some yard sale or something by itself. And then I found they the didn't game. know the gold they had. They didn't know Stupid. that they had a Declaration of the Independence in a right. old painting. Exactly, a Stradivarius. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you, what do you think if you had to go out and oh, you know? The, the the you know you get the street value. It's a street value of <laughs> Mario Paint. I don't know. Well, that's it. All depends on what you looked up. If you looked up just the card itself without the mouse, um, I don't know. But you can't play the game without the fucking mouse. So it right. has. It ha- I'm gonna say it comes with the mouse. So I'm gonna say uh, a cool thirty. Yeah. Look at. I mean, it, wow. it's, it's right on. You, you can find it for thirty, yeah. right with the mouse. Yeah. Somebody's selling it for ten bucks without the mouse. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like giving Baby a starving steps. person like, here's a can of beans. It's only a dollar. Can open is going to cost you fifty. <laughs> right, and that's pretty much Apple's model, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't. No. No. Don't get me started. Don't. don't. Uh, no. So that that that's great. So so you got a lot. We got a lot of nerding in this week. Yes. Uh, and and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. If if you didn't get enough nerding this uh, this carnival podcast, come back on Thursday where we are going to complete uh, we. Joe is going to completely. <laughs> Joe's going to take me to school. I'm bringing my notebook and a pencil because he's taking me to school. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Mario. Yeah, Mario Andretti, uh, <laughs> not Mario <laughs> Lemieux. But no, this week we're going to be talking on Sideshow on Thursday. Mario, give give us a little. What 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 can we be expecting? Uh, it's mostly going to be focused on the Super Mario series of games. So Mario himself has appeared in, I think. A gajillion games. Maybe a gajillion and a half. Told you a million times not to exaggerate. But we're only going to focus on the Super Mario series of games, starting with Super Mario Brothers, the original, and then going all the way up to the to-be-released Super Mario Odyssey for the Switch. So, you know, uh, you know. with that said, um, I'm going to jump right ahead to the parenting tip of the week. Uh, this is actually a, uh, a almost serious, not a serious parenting tip. Uh, I had to move my mother-in-law's. She had a dry cleaning store and she got rid of it. And so we had to move all the stuff into storage today. And my little uh, dream squashers, actually, this is probably the first time I can remember being helpful. And I mean really helpful, not like, Papa, we want to help with that, which means the half-hour tasks just had a half-hour added to it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you want to help me carry, rake the yard, which means you did such a shitty job while I said, hey, thanks for your help that I have to wait for you to go inside and rake it again. Um Full disclosure, I haven't raked a yard since the right. 80s. Uh, but they actually were a huge help today. And the parenting tip is when they actually do something really great, really let them know they did something really great. And, and like, you know, just took them right to the store. Um, 
do whatever you want to get. Like, you know, in the, in the snack aisle and stuff like that. I can't decide between this and this. I'm like, dude, you kicked ass today. Get them both. And just the look of like, oh, my God. And I'm, and I'm thinking, just don't ask me for a pony because I, I might actually go and get you a pony today. But they were actually absolutely huge. So when, when your little, uh, you know, Hope Dashers come through and stuff like that and have this moment, you know, take, take a little time out to make sure that they know you really meant it. Right. But if they want two... Super Nintendo Classics, tell them, no, fuck no. No, fuck one you. Limit one per customer. Like, on it, I'd have to sell your brother, but that also might be, you know, a win-win for him. Wait, I get a Super Nintendo, and I don't have a little brother anymore? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the parenting tip of the week. That's the Jacques Lock of last week and the Jacques Lock of this week. That's the Random Video Game Review of the week. That's the Defunct Sponsor of the week. Wait, did we cover, did we cover Trump? I think so. Is uh that's the Trump week. is lame. Yeah, Trump is lame. Pats are great. Pats are great. I barely speak. But this week you did. Ah, uh, you know, you know. And a lot more coming up, ladies. Oh my goodness. And on that note, um, Jock, don't forget 